in the work, they get a chance to break through and stand in their own tada, stand in their place, in their God-given, divinely assigned part, that, that, that part that only belongs to them, the part that they get to bring into the world that has their signature on it, whatever that may be. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose, and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in and let's begin. Thanks for joining another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. Limiting beliefs, fears, anxiety, overwhelm, self-doubt. These are all heavy topics, but what if there was a way to take a lighthearted approach to it? In this episode, Rala Khan and Rich Rosner share their story and techniques found in the power of play to help people confront the heavy stuff with play and fun. Thanks for being with us, Rala and Rich. It's great to be here. It really is. Yeah, I mean, we're excited. I'm ex- I love that you're, you're all the way there and we're all the way here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Technology. Thank God. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time you're right. I'm really excited to have you guys on the show because I have actually gone and sampled some of the power of play and I have found such breakthroughs and I would love to bring this more to the light so pe- more and more people know about it because I think we forget as we get older what happens oh, yeah. to the joy that we find in play. And I love how you deal with such heavy things, even some of the clients you've dealt with. Tell me a little bit about who you've helped already with the power of play. Oh my goodness, uh, where do I begin? Well, we have a very big presence in, in the cancer community. We, we do our work on a regular basis with cancer patients and their families. And cancer is a pretty heavy topic. Um, we work in corporate. We've worked with doctors. We've worked with the mentally ill. I spent nine years working with the mentally ill and the homeless using the same techniques that we will be talking about. We've taught graduate students in psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at university. At and university, right. if I can think of like one word that people think of when they, then they, when they hear play is the word frivolous and um, unnecessary. And that our job over the past 30 some odd years is really been not even to convince, but to inspire our prospective clients and then our clients to look at play from another uh, perspective. There is a depth that occurs when people get surprised by the playing part of it, 
and you know this because you had a little taste of it, Pauline, but what I would say is sort of one of the touchstones is as adults, we're told to grow up and be responsible, act our age, go get a real job, stop daydreaming, and you know, who do you think you are? And the idea of play is is beaten out of us, really, in through school and life. And I think our destiny and, and our passion is to rekindle the qualities that children naturally embody, but bring that to, to the grown-ups in, in all of us. A great, and a great illustration, we had some clients who were, uh, it was a couple, so we work privately with people as well as, as doing our program for groups, but there was a couple, they were, they were ready to get divorced. I'm not even sure why they called us, but they Because we did. were referred. Oh, we were, we were referred. referred. Oh, good, 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 good. Mm -hmm. This was a long time ago. By Kathy Arnos. <laughs> but in, in any event, they came to us and it was very interesting to see what happened because when they got together, everything was playful and fun. They really had forgotten how much fun they were they they could have with each other. They had forgotten how to play. They had forgotten how to communicate more effectively. So our style of play includes communication skills and giving people opportunities to recover and discover themselves. And they wound up the next last thing we heard, they had had a baby, they were still together. And that was so gratifying because they were at the edge of saying goodbye and calling it quits. So this, what appears to be light weight or light way of, of approaching a problem can have very, very profound and important effects. That's huge. I want to know from you guys, because you've dealt with cancer, apparently divorce. I, I know in our previous conversations, you mentioned you've helped homeless people. Um, you've, you've gone into corporations and, and taught the power of play. And I know from my personal experience with the power of play in a group setting, there's this like, oh, who wants to get on the dance floor first type of energy, <laughs> right? Like, <Yeah. laughs> we don't yeah. want to, we don't put ourselves out there and where you, you tell us to do an exercise, you introduce an exercise and all of us are kind of looking at each other like, um, who wants to go first? Yeah, that's what? me in the past. I yeah. would be the person now, now, mind you, there is no desk to slouch under, but I know what that feels like, that feeling of, please don't call on me, don't call on me. And like, there's just a group of us, we can all see each other. Hello, you're going to have a turn. Um, the, but that feeling really, I think, comes from actually probably some painful rememberings of things like, oh, I didn't get chosen when everybody was playing do dodgeball, you know, those kinds of things that sometimes play in the subconscious has a bit of a negative recall, a negative, what's the word I want to look at? A negative interpretation. And I think the hanging back has to do with really what we're yearning for, which is to be seen. And so it's a, it's sort of like a dichotomy because you've got, I call it being willing when you're not willing, because when you're willing, when you're not willing is that that's when you're willing to get your, but I can't, uh, up your but I can't off the chair. It's that feeling of I can only speak from experience where you go from being the last person to do an exercise to jumping up and doing it first. And that by the end of our six week or everybody's clamoring for a turn. What's uh, what's also interesting 
and I lay this all off to Rama, the atmosphere that happens in the work that we do is a very safe place for people to be able to jump up off the chair and, and get into something and to fail. And it's okay. It's only information that that gives us insights into who you are, where you are, and how we can short uh, how we can chart a better course to, to much look more at, happiness. Well, to look at yeah. how you're playing metaphorically and also literally playing in your life, with your life, and for your life, like your life matters. The 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 experience <clears throat> that I always <clears throat> is there for me. How many times have you been someplace? where something was required of you, maybe to, just to ask a question and you hang back because, well, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to sound silly. My question isn't so important. You mm -hmm. hang back and you watch everybody else ask questions. And then you finally say, oh, well, well, maybe I can ask this question. And the event is over. And you just walk away feeling, uh, I, 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 I missed out. I can, I, see, I can see you want to raise you too. Uh, what about the person? What about when you hang back and you observe a bunch of, let me see the word I want to look at, those that perhaps are less intellectually sound. These are people that hang back because they feel like they have nothing important to say. And then they're watching people that are really not as talented as they are getting the credit because your unwillingness to not look good it's going to a dance and 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 seeing the cutest person there who's not necessarily dancing with anybody or dancing with several people and you don't have the courage to ask and the night goes by and you never know what could have happened had you just done what you wanted to do so yeah. it's getting that courage and being able to step out and playing with it if you go up you ask you get shot down hey it's no big deal it wasn't going to happen if you were just standing on the wall like a wallflower. But, but we do. We do hang back. That's our nature is to, not all of us, but many of us. And the many of us that do hang back, those are our people. <laughs> those, you know, those are the ones that we genuinely, deeply understand because we were hanger backers at one point. We know the distinction. We know. We know what it feels like to have our nose pressed up against the glass, wishing we were in there instead of out here. So I think that one of my superpowers, at least this is what our clients say, is creating a safe space so that when you start to trust what's happening in the room, you get a chance to show up as yourself. And in that showing up as yourself, you get to surprise yourself by some of the very things that we're asking of you. And then that's where over the six weeks, and I use the six weeks model because it really gives people a chance to do the work. We give good, juicy, fun, interactive sort of homework that you can do on your own during the week, a chance to integrate, and then you come back and we build another skill, moving up to when we call it Talent Night at Belmont High, which is the last night of the workshop where really everybody gets to bring in something that might have either been a deferred dream, a secret hope, or a wish, and it is Talent Night time, and well, it's, it's a it's a it's a lot of fun. Listen, if people can take the moment to take the I don't care adjustment, mm -hmm. all you get to do is find out that A, maybe you succeed, B, maybe you don't, C, it could be fun either way. When I worked in situation comedy, uh, a lot of sitcoms, basically you have a big table where all the writers are there 
and everybody pitches out a line or a joke or a thought. And I was always blown away by one guy who was in the room uh, who would come up with a line. He would say it. Now, it was also interesting because he, he stuttered. So it would take him a long time to get the line out. Sometimes it was hilarious, but sometimes it just, it was dead. It didn't work. It wasn't funny. And rather than look embarrassed and mm, going back into his shell, he would do the biggest pratfall onto the table because he knew it was bad. It was just boom. And it was hilarious to watch him fail. It was okay. We loved it. But to be able to have that attitude within yourself, to be able to enter life, enter situations, enter opportunities and say, what the heck? I might as well give it a shot. I'm only here for so much time. I don't so even call time. that fa failure. I mean, yeah. if you were to, now you would, knowing you and me, we might've experienced the word as failure. We've come to understand that, hey, we were just experimenting. Hey, we were just exploring. If that's a distinction, because when we say things like failure, if we've been programmed with that kind of language, we're gonna hold it as a huge failure and it's going to get in the way of our good time it's also going to get in the way of us um, moving forward in our lives without us even realizing it we often make a decision and then out of a misinterpretation and then we act on that de decision what happens when we get to play is all bets are off and what happens incidentally when you when you take this kind of an attitude and jump in like that uh the energy the release that you feel is unbelievable because you're using all of your energy to squelch yourself to not do it and once you let that go other energy starts to flow through and you start having a blast nothing, and that's healing nothing's better than let's say you pauline um being willing just off the cuff like i turn to you and we say okay boom go that i mean I'm nervous even just saying that to you, but in the, in the, in the, in the, in the big picture, you being able to be called on that way and wing it thinking on the fly is actually a, a very important skill, especially now COVID now that we're COVID centric, but that we're in this crazy time. I mean, my God, a lot of us have been in the house for seven months. This is unusual. And so words that we use that are, I think are important are adapting. So we call our work adaptive applied improvisation. We're taking the rules of improvisation for the theater and we're turning them on there. Am I allowed to say, do I, can I say whatever I want? Tushy. We're <laughs> turning them on their butt, their ass, turning improv on its ass and coming at it at a completely different perspective. But more importantly, it's giving people permission to play. And then the fun begins. Now, and I have to say, one of the things that really has been an incredible uh, honor and a privilege is when we work with cancer patients, for instance, at the mm -hmm. Simonton Cancer Center. And we're on staff at the Simonton Cancer Center. And our curriculum is part, is the power of play is a permanent part of their curriculum. Well, what we get to see is people coming into this five-day workshop. Their pallor is gray. They are scared. There is... They just don't look good. They look, they, they have look cancer terrified. and they look, they look terrified. Mm -hmm. 
But once they go through the power of play, and, and Dr. Simonton uh, told us, he said, the whole tenor of the rest of the retreat, it changes after people do the power of play. Once they do that, you see the rosy cheeks come back, the color come back into their face. It is, and you see a lightness and a happiness and a joy. And, and hope. And, yeah. and the definition yeah. of hope that we use, which we use at the Simonton Cancer Center and in our work, but it's a beautiful definition, which is this. Hope is the belief that desirable things are attainable regardless of the remoteness of the probability. Yeah, that's, that's the definition. Mm -hmm. And I love it because what you guys just said was that whatever positive feelings we want to tap into, that joy, that fun, that hope, that lightness is already within us. And we just forget because of the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. So you said that so beautifully. That's exactly right. And I think our job, I know our job is to take that little key and reignite. And play, by the way, lives in the heart part. That's, there's all this research now uh, on the heart being a great communicator. And I love to say it's mind is where the heart is. Body is where our intuition lives. And mind, body, spirit, and spirit is our higher self. And I call that the grand trifecta because part of what we're doing when we're playing is we're really tapping into our wholeness. All those disparate pieces somehow find a way home to self. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when we laugh together, when we play together, and when we engage creatively in some of the wild stuff that we have people do. And they're doing it spontaneously. There is no script. Improv doesn't have a script. There's only one rule, and that's the and. You know, standing for the and, and saying and, and adding information. Um, this is such an important piece, which is to find agreement. And actually, if you practice it in improvisational work, and then you really take it back out into the world with you, in very short order, we start to see how the rules of improv are amazing rules for living a life of meaning, purpose, and deep fulfillment. Wow. Yeah. I know you can't see me right now, the ones who are listening, but I do have tears in my eyes because I feel like even though we're talking about play and fun and all the good stuff, it reaches such a deep center of, well, who I am and hopefully who each one of us are. I can imagine it's like a muscle. You have to exercise it in order for it to build so you it just comes naturally. Um, exactly. Like and memory. here's the thing. We do have it innately in us. And as I said before, when we are told loudly, usually by adults in our circle of whatever age, you know, start young when we're told to stop daydreaming and we're told to grow up and to be responsible and all, all those things I mentioned before. What really captured my curiosity is when I was listening to social anthropologists Dr. Ashley Montague speak at a humor laughter play conference. And by this time I was five years into assisting Dr. Simonton and I was going to every 
humor, laughter, play conference. And I was learning and being trained by the masters in this burgeoning field of what we now call complementary and integrative. We used to say mind-body medicine. These guys were renegades and rebels and pioneering visionaries that were chastised, many of them, by their own peer groups that stood in the face of a lot of anger and ridicule. Because what they were saying is, I want to honor the Hippocratic Oath. I want to do no harm. And more importantly, I want to ease the suffering of my patients. And one of the things that we do is we help to ease some of that suffering by getting our participants to laugh at themselves and with each other in the most organic way. It's not mean-spirited at all. It is pure fun. People think uh, oftentimes that, uh, you know, it's about, oh, they're always putting a lampshade on their head and they're they're always yucking it up and joking around. Talking like a chicken. Talking, right. No, no, we don't do no, that. No, no. Really what we're talking about is the art of a playful attitude, mm -hmm. which is uh, a lens through which you can you can look at and experience life. Uh, and it's it's a very different thing. It's much more gentle. It's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I was driving my son across uh, the San Fernando Valley with one of his friends uh, when they were teenagers, and and they were talking about just boring, boring things. And driving across the San Fernando Valley is basically a boring, boring task. You just have this big valley. You're driving straight across. Well, I noticed I was bored. And so I said, well, well, what can I do about this? And so I started to observe my boredom. And I said, oh, this is interesting. I am so bored, but, but why am I bored? How am I bored? And the more I started to investigate my boredom, the more interested I got in what my thoughts were about boredom. And I began to play games in the car. If I stay at the same speed I'm going now, will I pass that car before they reach that telephone pole? Well, what you did is a principle in our work, which is curiosity instead of judgment. When we judge, so you could have just easily hung out in judgment with two teenage exactly. boys in the yeah. back seat. But what you did is you did one of our principles instinctively, which is get curious. Because judgment, either judgment of self or those around us, uh, period, judgment is constricting. It is It shuts things down and curiosity is expansive. Oh. So as I was saying about how I was inspired by, by um, I started to say, by the social anthropologist, Dr. Ashley Montague, who is 97 and still in the uh, seminar, in the lecture hall at Princeton University. And what I loved about Dr. Montague's work, this was such a gift to me. Because this was one of those things that as I was exploring this new world, I mean, I went from the theater and being a struggling actor, actress, um, to hanging out with doctors and psychiatrists and psychology, world renowned. And there I was in the midst of all this because I had an idea. I wanted to take my background in improvisational theater and my love of psychology. And I wanted to put it in a big petri dish and blend it together and come up with something where I could help people struggling. And I didn't know other than I knew that laughter was super important to me, that it was a commodity in my, my home growing up. I loved making people laugh and I loved hearing the laughter. So when I started to understand that laughter was healing and the guy that coined that phrase, 
Norman Cousins became one of my very personal mentors. And this is a whole, this is, I could be on, you know, on this call with you on this <laughs> podcast for a week and I still would have stories to tell. But what's important about Dr. Montague's work, and I want to bring that back because it was at a humor laughter play conference and I was sitting there and I was listening to him talk and he showed a video of a tiny little, um, I want to say like a, just a 10 month old or a 12 month old, just starting to walk and a giant great dane and a big huge moving box and those were those three things and that little baby and that giant great dane that little baby was fearless and the baby was interacting with the box and the dog and dr montague was talking and lecturing about this baby was filled with playfulness unguarded unpretentious was just filled with curiosity and wonder, fascination, joy, freedom of expression. I mean, the giggles and this giant Great Dane would m maybe have made other kids freak out, but this was, and I, what he was really just showing us was how to show how important it is to stay connected to that kid that lives inside of us, that spontaneous, non-judgmental, risk-taking, curious, playful part of ourselves that we forget because we get all grown up -y. <laughs> the, the The quote that Dr. Montague uh, has that I just, it's my favorite quote of his. The thing is to die young very late. As late as possible. <laughs> to die young as late as possible. That's really, it's, 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 it, it really does say, this is what we need to do. We need to be in touch with those, those good qualities that we had when we were kids and that actually and strengthen them and strengthen them but that that because of the energy that that releases because it's healing it actually helps extend our life that's right now we know the science behind it it upcharges our immune system it helps those qualities help us sustain our optimism even in the face of bad news or uncertainty like many of us are having to deal with with this pan pandemic so right now the muscle of playfulness Hello. I mean, I want. I expect our phone, our you know, our computers to be ringing off the hook. I know computer doesn't ring, but you get the drift. That we've been at this for so long, and to be quite honest, it was such a hard sell. In those early days, I could have stood on my head and done the splits, and no one would have hired us. But because of who I was connected to, my mentors, I got some credibility going on, and doors opened. Both of them. Carl, Dr. Simonton in the world of cancer, Norman Cousins in the world of humor and healing. And because of their encouragement, I was able to get into arenas that in a million years, my path would never have crossed these opportunities. And in those opportunities came a reaffirmation and a confirmation that I was onto something. Little did I think it was gonna be a 30 year run, you know. But and, now going, and going, and going. And still and going, going. Yeah. and 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 but and I'm still having a tough time explaining exactly well, what we do. That's interesting. <laughs> it, it is tough to explain it because what we're talking about is an experience. Yeah. It's it's you know it it happens in that synapse between here and over there. I'm curious to ask you since you experience uh, a small taste of the power of play. Just you know what are what are, what is one of the things that you found you came away with out of the time that we spent. Uh, together that day. Well, the day, and then we, we did a private. Yes, but I'm yeah. but but uh, the group. Uh, oh, I the group. Was, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got the pleasure of participating in both group and an individual one-on-one -on -one session. I'm one of those people that hang back, 
And the way you guys describe how it takes so much energy to push down our light. Um, and then when we're able to have a safe space in which we can release it freely, that's, I, I didn't, I didn't realize how much energy I was using to mm. hold myself back when we think we're, pre- we're protecting ourselves, when in actuality, we're just harming ourselves because we're not allowing, there's no space for us to allow ourselves to be all of who we are. And I feel like after my experience with the both of you in the group and in the one-on-one session, in the group, I, I, you know, I, not everyone got a chance to be in the hot seats per se, but mm-hmm. even in watching others, that Marianne Williamson quote kept, keeps coming into mind where she says, when you uh, allow light. your, yes, when yeah. you shine your light, you give other people permission to, to shine there theirs too. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that is um, what I got from the group. And of course the one-on-one was just, I can't even put words to it because we did so much in a short amount of time that allowed me to really see how amazing I am. And I know that that sounds like so, again, it's that's so the true. point. It's that's true. the point. And it's not conceited. It's the point of taking ownership of what we've done in our lives to get us to this point and not dim or call it being conceited or boastful and all the things that in our culture we're taught. Uh-uh. We know how valuable it is for our stories to start with the self and ownership of who we are, the qualities that make us who we are. And that exercise, which is called I'm Positive, I'm Me, you did that with such a boldness. And I think, and you got the message. That's the whole point of a little game like that, that we're so much more than the diminished self that we often reveal. There's a whole lot of light that we exude. And some of us are taught to tamp that down. Why? I don't know. Maybe because it makes other people uncomfortable when we're in our (laughs) ta-da. How about there's enough room for all of us? Right. Well, and that if they're they're uncomfortable because they're not standing in their ta-da. And exactly. And I know you guys have, uh, you guys are still serving people even in this pandemic through technology. And I want to be mindful. I know you got to get to a client, but I do want our audience to know this is a muscle and it is something that not only are we not exercising, but we have forgotten we even have. So the power of play with Rolla and Rich are a way to turn that muscle back on and then start exercising and which is why it's important to go through the six weeks. So I, yeah, want- I love the six weeks. I'm so glad you said that it's, yeah. and we do a one day or, you know, and we do an intensive and we do pop-ups and we're going to do pop-up Q and A so that people can start to, you know, they'll know that on Sunday night from six to seven PST, they can come into the zoom room and talk to us and ask us questions about anything and everything. We want to be more um, available so that people can get reconnected to that part of themselves that is filled with wonder and joy and possibility. And unless we're available to let people know who and how and what we are, I feel like we're not going to get a chance to do our destiny. So I so appreciate you having us on. No, I, I, I thank you for taking the time to share with us, um, these listeners. I want to get the word out more about the power of play. So if people are listening to this right now, where could they find you so that they can get connected? 
Okay. We're at www.thepowerofplay.com. We also have another site, www.thepowerofplayforhealth.com. And that's all spelled out. And our IG, our Instagram. At <laughs> The Power of Play. Or, or at Rala Khan, and that's spelled R-A-H-L-A-K-A-H-N. Perfect. And we'll link all that in the show notes so they can refer to that. Again, thank you so much. I want to personally tell you that I am a fan of the power of play. I love how what you said, you create a safe space. And I'm not just saying that to you who's listening to this. I'm not just saying it. It is truly a safe place that they create. I don't know how they do it. They just do it. <laughs> I'll tell you. That's because she's very nice. No, no. I'm not I'm I'm nice, but I'm also tough, you know, and yes. in a, in the most loving way. But here's the thing about the space. I know what it feels like to not feel safe in a creative space. I I know deeply how it can be wounding and it can stop us from shining our light. And I instinctively just declared everybody that comes into the power of play space will know almost instantly that they can feel trust and safety in that room. And that came out of just a committed intention, honestly, because it's not something, you know, I don't, you know, I don't walk around and do, you know, I could stage the room and do a prayer in every corner. No, no. I just am so committed to people's emotional, physical, and spiritual safety that it's a non-negotiable. Now, you come in, are you going to be pushed to the edge of your reason? Yeah. Are you going to wonder? I remember somebody saying to us on a very teary night, she said, "If I this class should be called the power of pain. If I knew I was <laughs> going to be crying this much. And I, I, and I said, look, she asked me for her money back. This was great. And I said, do me a, a favor. Will you hang out one more week and just trust the process? And recognize that the pain is happening. The tears are flowing because you shut that piece down. And now it's like, hello, remember me? And often tears come out of that. And I'll be damned. She waited the week and she came back and she stayed. And she apologized because she recognized that what was triggering her was her own fear. And her own issues about hanging back that we're now in a very benign way inviting her to come out and play again and so um, we, that only happened once where somebody actually said to me this class should be called the power of pain it made me laugh but the truth is i love that we can help people release that long-held pain maybe attached to childhood and that in the work they get a chance to break through and stand in their own tada stand in their place, in their God-given, divinely assigned part, that, that, that part that only belongs to them, the part that they get to bring into the world that has their signature on it, whatever that may be. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Rich, Rala, you are gems in our world. <sighs> I, I, I picture a dark room or, you know, when you go on a Christmas Eve night and you go to church or a vigil and there's a, a candle that's lit and then they light each other's candles that's what i see happening oh i'm gonna oh, that is wow. such a beautiful image beautiful i you know what that's a beautiful actually 
an exercise. We're going to name it. We name our, we're going to call it, well, we'll, we'll want you to okay it, but let's call it the Pauline experience. And, <laughs> and, and what, because I think it's powerful to have a darkened room and a candle and then have people come in. I'm going to, it's making me cry. Okay. That's a keeper. That's, <laughs> you've just had a game in your, bequeathed in your honor, but seriously, <laughs> we've done that many times. It's, it's, and that's why we have 140 games now, 140 games and processes that we call from many named after our participants. So what an honor. Yay, I'm excited. Experience. <laughs> okay. Yay. Well, um, hopefully we have lit some people up right now with this episode. And I want to encourage you, for those of you who are listening, to continue shining your light. And sometimes we need help. And so I'm also going to encourage you to go to the power to powerofplay.com and check it out and start taking the journey within so that way you can shine on the outside and stand as it Rala and Rich say in your own tada. There are so many takeaways from this episode. Just some of the takeaways are one, nothing truly is a failure. It's just an interpretation of a situation. Two, rather than using your energy to squelch yourself, use your energy to put your full self out in the world. Three, being able to adapt is important to trying new things and being in uncertain circumstances. Four, hope is the belief that desirable things are attainable regardless of the remoteness of the probability. Five, play lives in the heart. Adopt the art of a playful attitude and watch your suffering dissipate. Six, laughter is the best medicine. Seven, stand for the and. Eight, choose curiosity, not judgment. Judgment is constricting and curiosity is expansive. Nine, own your amazingness. Radiantly shine your light. And finally, 10, let go and play. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here on another episode. And remember to celebrate your small victories, play and have fun. Until we meet again, be blessed. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. You are my pathway into the light. Lead me from shadows to light You Smile On my small victory On my small victory
Show me what